behind Rich in the queue in Waitrose. Hello, hello. Yes. Thank you, thank you. Welcome to my show. Uh, as it occurs to the man from behind Rich in the queue in Waitrose, or as all the cool children are calling it, AI Ottima for Britkiwi. <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah, nice, thank you. Um, yes, you will probably remember that last week I got, I'm quite new, got Rich sent to prison for life after I snitched on him for breaking some yogurts in Waitrose. Uh, you, well, you're quick to judge. And now I've taken over the show, AI Ottima, for a bit kawee. Um, every time, yeah, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's, fine, it's, fine, it's early days. It's, I, you know, it's his thing, really, I shouldn't... Let, I'll do it my way. So let's have a look at some of the exciting things I've been up to this week, which I've written down in this pad here. Yes, let's see. Tuesday, near my flat, I saw some children, I think that says, playing catch in an area, yes, which was clearly marked no ball games. So I, I immediately alerted security, and the, uh, the children had their ball taken away from them. Ha-ha! <laughs> I showed them. Okay, uh, this one. Uh, Wednesday... No, I didn't really do anything on Wednesday. But it looks like... Oh, yes, no, a boy was uh, playing his music too loud on the bus, but I was too scared to say anything, so I just tutted a bit when he wasn't looking. <laughs> it's a bit hot in here, isn't it? Uh, this is harder than it looks. Um, Get out th- of oh. here, man from behind me in the queue from Waitrose. Richard? Yes, your reign of terror and being rubbish at comedy is over. I'm back for my reign of being rubbish at comedy myself. But how? Because Waitrose decided that all the free publicity I gave them in last week's show more than compensated for the loss of two yogurts. The constant repetition of the words Waitrose and yogurt apparently boosted their yogurt sales by three. Three yogurts, so they let me go. And they gave me a voucher for two for one on Calvin tablets, provided their purchase before the end of November. So it seems that crime does pay. Yeah. Crime slightly pays by giving you half price pointless deliming tablets for your washing machine, which arguably over the life of a washing machine might cost you more than just buying a new washing machine anyway. <laughs> now fuck off out of it and let me get on with the show. You haven't seen the last of me, Richard Herring. Yes, I have. I think you've misunderstood, uh, misunderstood the nature of this show. I write the script, and you're not going to be in it again, ever. Oh. Don't, don't, it's horrible. Please. Don't suck up to, enjoy your last few lines, because oh. this is going to be it for you. You're being expunged into the void, where all characters who have fulfilled their dramatic purpose go. Please, don't kill me, please. Let me live. Let me live. No, go away. <laughs> no one likes you, you're an idiot. I'm going to enjoy killing you. Goodbye. Uh, oh, shut up. It's not a pantomime. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> shut up. I oh, didn't write that. I love the power I have over the fictional world. Uh, let's start again. We'll just edit out this uh, beginning bit, this embarrassment. Oh, no, we don't. We can't, we can't edit this show. That's, the, that's its USP. Uh, it all has to go in. So what can I do? I don't... I know, what I'll do, I'll just insert a kind of subliminal sound at this point that no one will be able to hear, but it'll hypnotise the listeners and wipe the whole unpleasant incident from their memories. But what kind of subliminal noise would be capable of doing such a thing? Mm. Ah, yes, of course, yes. You're feeling sleepy, very, very sleepy. Allow your subconscious to tune into this swirling sound. Wiping out the memory of the brief reign of the man from behind me in the queue in Waitrose. There goes one memory, hear it clacking away, and another. 
There, they're knocking all the memories out one by one. There, they're not. Oh, the whole thing's forgotten. Restart the show, Ben. As it occurs to me, as it occurs to me, as it occurs to me. Please welcome the man it's all occurred to, Richard Herring. Thank you, thank goodness for that. Thank you very much. This is the beginning, thank you. Thank, this is the beginning of the show. Yep, that's right, that's for sure. Uh, I'm Richard Herring, and this is my crazy, off-the-wall internet stand-up and sketch show, AI Ottima! Warning, may contain subliminal hypnotism and mind control. No, it doesn't. Shut up, Emma. Forget what Emma just said. Forget it. Buy my DVDs. Buy them all now. Go to www.gofasterstripe.com and buy all my DVDs, posters and books. But not Stuart Lee's stuff. Don't buy that. Just my stuff. Stuart Lee is rubbish. Rubbish. And has a cop that makes Keith Chegwin look like King Dom. And it's time to reveal the true identities of the high-class whores who assist me in this venture in return for literally hundreds of pounds a night. Belle de Jour, Dan Tetzel, uh, Pa Belle de Nuit, TV's Emma Kennedy, and on the guitar and blowy poor and fiver, Christian Riley. Hello. Hey, Dan, what's, uh, what's occurred to you this week? I had a uh, dream. It's boring, I know, but it was really cathartic. I got to tell someone who irritates me in real life what I thought of them. And I can't tell them what I think of them in real life because there's a sort of power structure, which I don't want to go into because it... if I said what the power structure was, it's pretty obvious who that person <laughs> is. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, but I really laid into him. Oh, God, I've given it away. That's narrowed it down. Um, I told him he was rubbish at his job and I hated him and I thought he didn't have his own... Or he was like a sack of marshmallows and just... You know, the last person who sat on him left an indent. Oh, I'm really giving this away. Uh, it was, I woke up fully, I'd like, I'd gone mad in my sleep, but I woke up fully refreshed, so I didn't kill anyone that day. And that, every day that happens is a good day. Good. Okay, I wonder who that could have been. And uh, what happened to you, Christy Christy? Ooh. I had this weird dream that Dan was telling me what he thought of me. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking really hurt. Um, yeah, I can imagine. You know, no, like no, a marshmallow. Otherwise, I was just pretty boring. I, I did my accounts. Yeah. Wow. Again, you've misunderstood the point of this part of the show. <laughs> to be amusing. Uh, what's happened to you, Emma Kennedy? Anything happened to you? Yeah, I went to the X Factor on Saturday. Wow. Actually, it was quite an exciting the X Factor. Yeah, it was a very exciting X Factor. Did anyone watch it? Yeah. Did you? I'm disappointed did you, in you. Did you? Um, did you witness the the brief storming of the stage by Calvin Harris with his pineapple? Okay. So do you want the do you want the inside info on that? Oh, well, I don't have to tell you. <laughs> it's fine, I'll just keep my backstage secrets to myself, shall I? Uh, do you want to hear it? Yeah. yeah, of course you do. So I'm taken up to a dressing room, and uh, before we go any further, you know, I am going to declare I'm a 42-year-old woman. I don't know what's in the current pop parade. I don't know, OK? And I go into this room, and there's a room full of people. One of, one of them is this man, and I go around and say, who, you know, what are all your names? And we get to Calvin. He says, oh, I'm Calvin Harris. And I said, oh, what do you do? And he said, I'm a pop star. And I went, are you? Are you really? <laughs> and, um, and then a researcher came in, and Calvin started acting quite weirdly and um, wouldn't really answer any questions properly and wouldn't express an opinion on any of the contestants or the judges. But the only thing he was interested in was getting this pineapple out of his bag, at which point sort of everyone's thinking, why would someone bring a pineapple to the X Factor? Why, why would they do that? And then... 
he did this sort of slightly rubbish impression of Jedward, and still everyone was just staring at him, just thinking, why are you, why are you doing that? But no one stopped him or quizzed him or questioned him. And then they said, right, okay, we'll go down to the studio now. And he said, I'll just bring my pineapple. <laughs> and again, no one stopping him or quizzing him or questioning him. You know, just maybe something that pop stars these days do. They have to carry pineapples with them. You know, like Mariah Carey has to have kittens, but Calvin Harris has to have a pineapple. So he goes down to the studio and he insists on sitting on the end of the row with his pineapple. And still, no one is questioning or quizzing him or asking him why on earth he would want to do that. And then, of course, he stormed the stage with his pineapple. And it turned out that sort of it was a minor protest against the twins by placing a pineapple on his head and doing a semi-Jarvis, which you didn't get to see on the telly, but he did sort of turn around and wiggle his bum a bit. And then he ran off and he was caught by security and reception where he said, don't you know who I am? And they went, no. <laughs> if you're going to put any fruit or vegetable on your head, it shouldn't be a pineapple. No. That is, <laughs> well, we know what it should be, don't we? He could have had a bomb inside that pineapple. He could have killed Jedward. Imagine... <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. So, uh, it's rich. Yep. Um, did you say you'd get your cock out if the show sold out this week? I did, Emma. That was a Richard Herring guarantee. Mm. But it, it seems that, if anything, we've sold fewer tickets than we usually do. Yeah, yeah the, the promise of your herringy penis uh, seems to have put people off coming yeah, to the show. Don't call it a herringy penis. And it's not, a, it's not a herringy. You're making it sound like it's not that herringy. It's my, quite herringy. So I'm Richard Herring, but it's not that herringy. Alas, people were, were too afraid to come for fear of being in the same room as the behemoth that lives in my pants. <laughs> Even people back in row G might get hit if this thing came out. Row E if it was erect. Well, the beast remains in its cage for now. Yeah, yeah the worm remains in its compost heap. It's a baby worm suffering from a genetic growth disorder. <laughs> and the compost heap is mainly made out of decaying fish. If we sell out next week, Emma will get her clacker out, so... <laughs> Shut up, Emma. As it occurs to me Richard Herring's not as funny as he thinks he is And uh, He says and uh, After everything he thinks is funny It's another... Don't applaud that, how dare you? That's... No, don't. It's too late to do it now. I've told you not to. That's another jingle written by a disgruntled listener who's given the show one star on iTunes. This time it's from Chris Collard, who seems to think that I say and er after everything that I incorrectly imagine is funny. Well, all I can say is that Chris Collard is a fucking twazzock and uh, I've got a specially made pumpkin just waiting for you, Chris. And uh, I don't even say and er and er. In any case, to ander is human, to forgive is divine. Ander. And if it's any consolation to you, my Tourette's-like inability to stop saying ander meant that I was fucking useless when I was on Just A Minute. But do keep those one-star reviews. It's absolutely true. Do keep those one-star reviews coming in, and you might hear your offensive comments turned into a jingle by Christian Riley. Uh, only genuine one-star reviews from the disgruntled mentals of the internet will be accepted, though I can tell the difference. As it occurs to me, pumpkin news. 
Yep, here is the Cumpkin news. If you uh, head to www.urbandictionary.com and put Cumpkin into their search engine, not only can you now buy a Cumpkin mug, but perhaps, I don't know, due to popular demand, this week you can now buy a Cumpkin cap and a Cumpkin hoodie as well. I'm not... They've just appeared this week. Uh, the Cumpkin hoodie, genuinely, is a hoodie which just has the word Cumpkin written on the back, which makes it look like someone else has labelled you thus without you knowing, like at school when you stick signs on people. And wearing a cap with the word cumpkin on it sort of implies that the hat itself is a mini cumpkin full of cum. Uh, I suspect that quite a few of you bought cumpkin mugs last week and I hope that somewhere in America there are some confused employees of UrbanDictionary.com. I don't believe it. We've had another order for the cumpkin mug. That's the 50th one this week. I don't understand it. Look at our sales. Three years, no cumpkin mug sales. I thought we were going to have to give up on selling cumpkin mugs. And then suddenly, in one week, 50 have been sold. And all from people in the United Kingdom. What's going on? Some strange cumpkin sex? I don't know, but let's make the most of this. These cumpkins are hot. Let's print up 1,000 cumpkin mugs and let's make hoodies and caps as well. We're going to be cumpkin millionaires. I caramba. Hopefully their cumpkin hubris will break them. Cumpkin hubris, that'd be a good name for an American child actor. He could be, uh, <laughs> could be on Saved by the Bell. They've all got names like that. Uh, if, you, uh, if you did buy a cumpkin mug, uh, then A, well done. B, you're a fucking twat. And C, please email me a picture in of you drinking from your cumpkin vessel and I'll post your picture in a gallery of cumpkins. Uh, my email address is herring1967 at googlemail.com. Only buy their mugs, though. Uh, don't buy the caps and the hoodies because I suspect I'll producing, be producing some of my own cumpkin T-shirts at some point. And maybe for the discerning customer, some actual bespoke cumpkins uh, made from the gametes of all the AI Ottoman male cars members so thank you for the moment though I'm just enjoying the idea of some am- some bamboozled Americans profiting from a minor slip up from two weeks ago as it occurs to me do you think we're milking cumpkins because if you get your milk from cumpkins then your cornflakes are going to taste a little bit brackish that's true uh, Here's some stuff that occurred to me this week. Monday. The execution of Gary Glitter aired on Channel 4, in which, bizarrely, Gary Glitter was selected uh, as most deserving to be the first person to be hanged in the United Kingdom for half the century, which, whatever you think about him, seems a bit unfair. I mean, maybe Ian Huntley should have gone first. I don't know. I'm not... I'm not... I'm not criticising Channel 4. But I'd imagine Glitter was delighted about the programme because it must be the first time in almost a decade that his music has appeared on television. He'll make royalties out of this. I don't know if Channel 4 have thought of that. Plus, I think it's fair to note that Gary Glitter is a bit of a pervert. uh, And who's to say he isn't the kind of person who's turned on by the idea of himself being hanged? So if that were the case, I'm not saying he is... But if he is, he must be delighted for Channel 4 to provide him with this free pornography, being able to see what it was like. Interestingly, in the 1990s, this is true, when, a- when anal sex for homosexuals was legalised, but technically anal sex for heterosexuals was not legal, Stuart Lee and myself came up with a false campaign to legalise anal sex for heterosexuals, and we actually wrote to Gary Glitter, asking him to be president of the campaign, because <laughs> of the rhyming slam, slang. Uh, up the Gary Glitter, if we have to explain it, is his, his manager wrote back to us and said not only was Gary Glitter not prepared to put his name to the campaign, but we, if we even publicised the fact we'd asked him, then we would face legal action. Well, there you go, Gary, the ball's in your court. 
Thursday. I was cycling back home from the gym when I stopped off at Tesco Metro to buy some milk. I was going to get a four-pint bottle for £1.53 when I noticed the four-pint bottles were on offer. You could buy two bottles, eight pints of milk, for £3. A saving of six pence. <laughs> so you could have the inconvenience of carrying two massive bottles of milk home with you uh, from a shop that didn't have a car park, probably more milk than all but the largest family would need, and save yourself almost seven pence. <laughs> has there ever been a shitter special offer than that? If there has, I want to know about it. Please email me photos of any shitter and more inconvenient offer than saving six pence on a huge, uncarryable amount of milk. The winner will have eight pints of milk sent to them through the post. In a pumpkin. Sunday. I went to see the blockbuster film 2012. I was worried because I wouldn't be able to follow the story because of the 2011 prequels to that. Uh, I'd only seen 7, 10 and 2001. But uh, it's really moved on. A lot of the characters have changed, I have to say. Don't go and see it. It's really shit. Uh, it might have been less of just one of the 10,000 occasions that John Cusack was trying to escape from peril, from the earthquakes and stuff, if it hadn't just been the last possible moment, just if once he got off the ground like 30 seconds before the ground, before him collapsed. It's just over and over again, him escaping the plane, going through. At the end, I'll, I'll, I'll ruin it for you. They get on some big arcs and they, they all survive, obviously, it's boring. Uh, the, his wife, her husband dies, but she's immediately kissing John Cusack in her grief. Uh, the dog escapes, which I always like, so, and the children escape. But at the end, everyone escapes and they're going to Africa where... The world will be all right in Africa. No one really thought of going to Africa, which is embarrassing. Uh, that Africa was okay and has risen up. But the camera pans out and you see the whole world. And it's kind of this lovey-dovey, beautiful ending, a new world. And I think it'd be a much better ending to that film if just as the camera panned out, you saw this massive meteorite heading for... <laughs> and then it would be a good film. As it occurs to me, inevitably slipping down the iTunes chart. That's right, after hitting a high of number two in the iTunes chart and holding into the top ten for the next six weeks, AI Ottima is now at a lowly 13 in the iTunes chart, which where it wouldn't be as embarrassing if a podcast from the Meerkat, from that awful and shitty compare the Meerkat.com advert, was at number eight. We're five places for like, I fucking hate that, but only a twat could think that that advert was funny, and only a twat could think the height of wit is to say simples at any given point in a conversation, rather than saying pumpkins at any given point, like, like a cool person would do. So anyway, don't let the podcast slide down to Collington Herring-style obscurity. Please all get a friend to subscribe to the podcast this week and see if we can defeat that fucking meerkat. At least let me have some dignity. I just want a podcast in the top ten. Is that all? That's all I want to be on telly. That's all I want. Please let me be back on the telly. Anyway, we're having another celebrity campaign to help us back to nearly the top where we belong. And here is our first celebrity endorsement. Hi, it's me, Gary Glitter. Do you want to be in my gang? No, probably not anymore. Obviously, these days, I have to be careful about what I download from the internet, but I don't think there's any chance of the police finding as it occurs to me on my hard drive and assuming I'm back to my old tricks. I mean, there's hardly any child pornography in it at all. More's the pity. <laughs> no, only kidding. Come on, that's, you know, seriously. And that's why, if you want to be like me, Gary Glitter, and, you know, you might do, then you should subscribe to it as it occurs to me. Kumpkin, 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 yeah. <clears throat> right, now we're, now we're going to have to pay Gary Glitter royalties for using his tube. Damn it. Tuesday! I was a panellist on Charlie Brooker's new radio show, So Wrong It's Right, which will be on Radio 4 next year. It's all about trying to come up with the worst possible case of something. So, for example, you had to come up with the worst 
DJ name and I thought might be DJ Dinner Jacket. That was one of the <laughs> funny, or either that or Dave Lee Travis. Uh, I, I don't want to spoil the magical illusion of radio, but you get the questions in advance on most of these shows. Who would have thunk it? Uh, and one of the rounds was worst excuse you've ever come up with. I was having a lot of trouble in the afternoon thinking of anything at all for this, but then I remembered an untold story of shame from my teenage years that might be good about how a wank I had broke a caravan window. <laughs> I've made it sound more impressive than it was, but this is a secret that I have genuinely kept for over 30 years, never telling anyone what actually happened. I'm going to now reveal it to the world. Uh, I was about 17 and my Welsh girlfriend was a couple of years younger than me. We'd been going out for over a year, but we'd not progressed beyond what was then called heavy petting. Uh, and even then our experiences were very much at the lighter end of that spectrum. Uh, my girlfriend's dad, I'm sure, suspected we were more sexually active than we were, but he had nothing to worry about. We were as innocent as the lambs in the fields, or the ones that hadn't been bummed by the farmers. Anyway, uh, <laughs> worse luck. Anyway, they lived in the next village over to Cheddar, and one night my girlfriend asked her parents... Mum, Dad, we're going into Weston tomorrow morning. It seems silly for Rich to go home. Would it be okay if he stayed over tonight? Oh, yes, of course. That'll be fine. I'd happily have a randy 17-year-old boy sleeping in the same house as my 15-year-old daughter. Do you think I'm insane? Really? Really, believe me, you have nothing to worry about. I'll be going out with your daughter for another year and a half and we'll never get anywhere near having sex. Not even oral sex, I'm afraid to have to admit. I suspect such a failure will haunt my adult life. But I'm only guessing. Hey... Malcolm, why don't we let him sleep in a caravan? He can't get up to any mischief in there. All right, all right, we'll do that. But the house will be locked and the burglar alarm is on. If I see anything move in the garden, I will shoot it dead. <laughs> in Scots, in my separate home, I settled down to sleep. But being 17 and not getting any form of release from my girlfriend, the bitch, I... <laughs> I decided to do it myself. Uh, I wouldn't want anyone to know what I'd been doing, so I used a clump of toilet tissue to tidy things up and ensure that the pristine caravan was not soiled by any nocturnal emissions. Yet so terrified was I that my onanistic secret might be discovered and that my girlfriend's family might find out I masturbated. I'm sure they had no idea. I, I felt the need to dispose of all the evidence. I didn't want to put the clump of tissue and gametes in the bin. What if someone saw it there and worked out what I'd been up to? Hold on. Look at this tissue paper. Look at the way it's stuck together. Malcolm, I think this is spermatozoons. Bring out the stocks. We have a masturbator. Pelt him. Pelt him with rotten fruits. How could I avoid the shame? I could put the tissue in my pocket and then take it home and dispose of it there. But what if they spotted the unseemly bulge? What's that in your pocket, Erin? No, no, don't look. It's toilet tissue, Malcolm. Why would he have toilet tissue hidden in his pocket? I had to blow my nose. Don't give me that. This doesn't look like snot. Doesn't smell like snot and... No. Doesn't taste like snot either. Don't ask me how I know. But this tastes like teenage boy sperm. Burn him. Burn the masturbator. There was too big a clump of tissue to hide and I didn't have time to formulate some great escape-style subterfuge where I could sneak the tissue out of the packed caravan piece by piece uh, in specially designed trousers and trample it into the dirt. Fear overcame logic and I decided the safest way to get out of this literal mess was to take advantage of the elevated height of the caravan and throw the incriminating jizz ball over the high fence into the next door garden. I don't know why I thought that would be a better solution. (laughs) 
If I was being para paranoid, why not be paranoid enough to believe that the neighbours might find the tissue and call the police? We found this clump of tissue paper in our flower bed, officer. I was going to throw it away when Clive noticed that it looked like it contained dried jessam. Yeah, that certainly looks like semen. Yep, a young boy semen, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, dear. Don't, don't worry, we'll send this off to the lab for analysis, get a DNA profile, send them detectives around the town to collect samples. We will find this furiously wanking little bug and have him manned by the neck till he be dead. Maybe that was unlikely, but it was Somerset in the 1980s, so hanging was still technically possible. Funny enough, generally, Gary Glitter lived in the other village the other direction to me, uh, with a 15-year-old schoolgirl at the time. Uh, but... Uh, could you do, Gary? Sue me. But uh, <laughs> how did the 17-year-old me think that throwing it over the fence was a better idea than putting it in the bin, the stupid cunt? <laughs> so I opened the window to its full extent so I could stretch my arm over the fence and with the evening's final flick of the wrist, the evidence was gone. <laughs> my secret was safe for all eternity. No one would ever know about the disgraceful thing that I'd done. Except that unbeknownst to me, the window operated by means of long metal rods that fitted into metal cylinders so you could open the window to any angle you want. But by opening the window to its fullest extent, to reach over, it, the rod had come out of the tube and when I shut the window, somehow I ended up causing the rod to bend, buggering up the window completely so it would no longer shut until expensively repaired by experts. How did this happen? Um, I'd just been opening the window to let in some air and I kind of slipped and pushed the window off its rods. Well, that doesn't make sense, does it? You're trying to let in some air, but somehow you slip all that way. Your arms would have had to be at their fullest extent to get the thing open that far. I know, it was a really big slip. Oh, something's going on here. Tell me the truth. You were trying to sneak my daughter in through the window, weren't you? No, oh. Dad, no. I was upstairs asleep. And if he was going to sneak me in, why not just let me in through the door? What were you doing, Rich? Nothing, honestly, forget about it. I was just trying to let some air in. Well, you obviously, you obviously weren't. What was going on? I know you two were up to something. The chance would be a fine thing. <laughs> I promise it was just an accident. Leave me alone. I've kept that secret from that day until now, but that's how a teenage wank broke a caravan window. I'd just like to apologise now. It's a bit late to everyone concerned. I'll... If you want some money, I'll, I'll send it through. <laughs> I thought that was quite a bad excuse, but the producer of Charlie Brooker's show was concerned it wasn't a fit subject for Radio 4 at 6.30 for some reason, so I had to come up with something else, which was hard. So what, what could I give as my worst excuse? Then I remembered another story from my childhood that surely includes an excuse that is so bad it's brilliant. It's from when I was at primary school when I was six years old. I desperately needed a poo, but was too mortified to actually go to the toilet. The consensus seemed to be that needing a poo when you're at school was a sign of weakness and marked out as someone who would be bullied for the rest of their life. Uh, but I came up with an alternate plan, which was quite clever to get away with this, which was to just do the poo in my pants. Uh, it, was, it was a brave and foolhardy decision, especially as we're in the middle of an activity lesson where all the desks were move aside, we were moving around the class, and I was wearing very tiny shorts. It was quite a hefty poo, I have to say. Something had to give. But if I could hold it all in my underpants, then this might be the crime of the century. Of course, there was one other obstacle to overcome. Pooey, what's that smell? Oh, something smells really bad. What is it? I had to think fast. But then I spotted that the window to the classroom was open and with a stroke of genius inspiration, came up with this... Oh, yes, a, a naughty dog outside must have done a poo by the window. Naughty dog. It was an audacious lie. What, what kind of dog was capable of doing a shit so fetid and powerful 
that it was strong enough to travel up from street level through a window into the middle of a room and still be pungent enough to seem almost like it was right next to you. But my feckless and stupid six-year-old classmates were fooled. Oh, naughty dog. What a naughty dog. It's kind of nice to think that the dog had deliberately done this, aware, having a moral system, aware that it was being naughty, like he'd planned it all out. So he's trying to disrupt our day and get us into trouble with his stinking dog feces. I I think many people might have questioned the argument, but I was getting away with it. The smell got worse, my little pants were bulging with poo. Pooey, there it is again. It's that naughty dog again, he's come back. Oh, naughty dog. Naughty dog. Yep, he was so evil, he'd come back to do a second prodigiously stinking shit. My playmates shook their heads. Not at my lie, they believed it, but at the canine's fecal antics. But unfortunately, my brilliant ruse came crashing down on my head when a sliver of poos, rather like a small slug, slipped out of my pants, out of my shorts, and onto the floor. I remember some kids standing around it, pointing at it as if if they didn't know what it could possibly be. Then the teacher became aware of the commotion and said, Who did this? I think I knew the naughty dog thing wouldn't work this time. Partly because my teacher was an adult and partly because it would have had to have been a spectacularly naughty dog who managed to somehow make his way unseen into the school, then through the closed classroom door, then have done a shit, like a, one that looked like a tiny slug of strange shit without anyone noticing, and then making his escape, sniggering, no doubt, like some kind of a muttley. <laughs> I didn't give up the subterfuge, but signalled my guilt by running out of the classroom and to the now I think about it really disgusting outside toilets of Emmanuel Infant Schools in Loughborough. I hope they're not still there. Uh, All I remember is trying to deal with my problem on my own and staying shut in the cubicle, hidden away from the friends I'd befuddled with my shitty lies until my mum came to pick me up. But the naughty dog thing, that is a brilliant excuse in almost any circumstance. Say you're in a lift, you've done a silent but violent fart. Excuse me, um... That smell is disgusting. Was that you? Uh, no, a uh, naughty dog must have done it, then uh, <laughs> then got out at the last floor. Oh, oh I, I do beg your pardon. Naughty dog. <laughs> oh, must have snuck back in again. Naughty dog. Or say uh, your attractive female flatmate calls you into a bedroom. Oh, it's foul. Seems to be some kind of sticky substance all over my pants and my knicker drawer. <laughs> Was this you? No, no, of course not. No, no, ah... I see, I see what's happened here. A naughty dog must have come in, uh, pulled over a chair to the chest, used its mouth to open the drawer, then rubbed up against the pants for some reason until he ejaculated. Naughty dog. Uh, uh, though it's hard to see why human underwear would be sexually exciting to a dog, but uh, that's how naughty he is. Naughty dog. That's right, call me a naughty dog. What? Uh, nothing, no, sorry. Uh, yes, he was a naughty dog. You he, he couldn't just pop out for a couple of minutes, could you? But um, maybe the naughty dog can be blamed for even more serious crimes. Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, you're accused of masterminding the 9-11 attacks, a crime punishable by death. How do you plead? I am not guilty. A naughty dog must have (laughs) snuck onto the plane and then uh, no one was looking, crept into the cockpit, grabbed hold of the joystick with its teeth and uh, flown the plane into the Twin Towers. Naughty dog. Yes, what a naughty dog, but that only accounts for one of the planes. Uh, What about the other tower? Oh, yeah, damn. Uh, No, wait. 
another naughty dog also got onto that plane and did the same thing. Mm -hmm. Naughty dog. Naughty infidel dog. Well, well, that explains that, what naughty, naughty dogs. But mm -hmm. what of the other two planes? I mean, uh, I can believe that two naughty dogs somehow managed to take sure, control yeah. of two planes and fly them into buildings, but four planes? Yeah, no, yeah, mm. that is beyond the realm of possibility. How do you explain the other planes? Uh, a wicked cat. <laughs> and a morally dubious tortoise. Yep. Yep, that's good enough for me. Case dismissed. As it occurs to me, it's a show about stuff that's occurred to Richard Herring. This week, or at any point in the last 40 years. Yeah, don't be sarky, Christ. Yeah, occurred has two meanings, so it isn't just things that have occurred, happened to me. It's things I've thought about as well, so it does work. Oh, well, that's all right then. Thanks. Uh, time for another celebrity endorsement. Hello, it's me, Andrew Collins. I am him. I am him. When I'm not coming up with insane and unfair ways to divide up a massive lottery win amongst my family, I like to listen to my favourite podcast, CompareTheMickAt.com. Simples. Ha <laughs> ha I'm so funny. I can't wait till another 15 years have passed so I can appear on I Love 2009. Just, just say simples to camera as my only comment about the subject. That will be funny. <laughs> I also sometimes listen to AI Automatic. Oh, thank you. But I am disappointed that I'm never on it. Just some bloke doing an impression of Alan Bennett mixed with Ken Worthington. <laughs> Who I do not sound anything like! Maybe then they will let me be... Let, maybe they will let the real me on the last of the series. I hope so. <laughs> no, we won't. It's not going to happen. Uh, let's head down to our audience now to find out if anything uh, interesting or terrible has occurred to the strange people who have come into the Leicester Square Theatre to escape from the rain this week. Has anyone uh, had anything that's occurred to them this week? Yes, uh, I'll, go, I'll go for this fella. He's close. Your son's pet frog literally doubled in size. What do you imagine your son's been doing to the frog to make that? They're just feeding it, blowing it up with a straw. It could be a number of things. It doesn't necessarily mean bumming it and coming into it like you or... It's nice that they grow, isn't it? It's nice that they learn and soon it will die and your son will... You have to explain that to your son. He's 28 years old, is he? That's... What was there? Some ladies over there, I think... Wow, I received, she received a proposal of marriage? From, from a homeless guy just outside. From a homeless guy just out there? Yeah, he does that a lot. He's, uh, he marries you and then he gets you home. Uh, he, just, he actually just waits outside the theatre for this show because he knows there's a lot of crazy and strange people coming here that might marry him. Well, did you say yes or no? No. Do you think married, you're already married? Oh, <laughs> she, she, offered, she offered him her daughter, if you didn't hear that at home, which is a... Did you accept daughter? How old are you? 19. 19, that's old enough, sweetheart. Yeah. Don't want to stay on the shelf too long, you can't afford to be picky. You're not getting any younger. I'll marry you, sweetheart, don't you worry. It's, uh, you could do with an older man. The things I could teach you about premature ejaculation, you know, it's an important... <laughs> It's an important lesson. I'm literally old enough to be a father. Uh, if only I'd had sex before I was 23. So, um, <laughs> anyone? Anyone else? Oh, yeah, this guy here next door to the... I saw a lady's pants on a mechanical bull. 
You saw a lady's pants on a mechanical wheel. Now we're getting back to the more normal, <laughs> as it occurs to me, audience member. Where was this a mechanical bull? It's a ball? At a ball, and there was a lady. Some lady's pants had come off, and, and no, it was on the lady at the time. It was on the lady. Oh, okay, that well. That's an odd way of phrasing the fact that you saw a lady. I, you were so excited about it. I saw some ladies' pants. They were on a lady. Yeah, but I just, I just looked at the pants. I've never seen some pants. Was that sketch about the knicker drawer? Was that about you? That you got the naughty dog excuse now? Uh, we'll go for one more if there's another one. Anyone? Go oh, right over there. I uh, turned 30. Yesterday. You turned 30? That's nothing. Yeah. That's nothing. Life begins at. Uh, uh, naughty as old as it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so good luck with that. How how do you find are you are you in moral turpitude? Uh, a little. You are. You worried? A little, yeah. Are you married yet? Well, I am. Yeah. You married? How come everyone else is fucking married? I'm not. <laughs> I'm not married. How come that's? How do you get someone to marry you? You're really ugly. <laughs> Is that your wife there? She's gorgeous. How did that happen? So you got How old were you when you married? You got you young. You tricked her. Yeah. That's you. you could do a lot. She was twelve. <laughs> How old are you now? 14 now. You could do a lot better, darling, that's what I'm saying. Uh, so, uh, if you think this is better, yeah. A man who was prepared to get his cock out if enough people came to the show and then they didn't. <laughs> uh, have you got any more? Have you got another story, Dan? Have anything else happened to you? Uh, yeah, well, uh, well, I bought some trousers that were too small. Uh, that's not very interesting. Uh, <laughs> I tried to coin the phrase uh, leg boobs to describe testicles, but um, I've only really told my girlfriend and she doesn't think it's, it's a goer. How so. big are your testicles? <laughs> well, then I just, I just thought I'd try and come up with a new... Because I tried to coin the phrase uh, uh, gay fro for a shaved head, uh, but no one liked that. And then um, gag wags uh, for the girlfriends of comedians. I thought yeah. quite, that didn't go anywhere. Basically, it's not working out for me. Uh, Just go with the words that already exist. I know, I know. Turns out that, You're not that. Samuel Johnson. No, I've got gout. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the, the trousers um, is the main thing. You bought trousers. Why didn't you try the trousers on in the shop? Because I don't try... Right, listen, okay. <laughs> trousers, they've got measurements on them. So if the measurement... I know it's irrational, but I don't try trousers on. And so... 75% of the time they don't fit when I get home yes yes and then I'm too embarrassed to take them back so I've got a lot of trousers that I can't wear because if I put them on they constrict and I go a bit funny in the head and like I did this afternoon and uh, yeah I think I found a bit of a breakdown <laughs> I can see your man boobs through those trousers so um <laughs> leg, 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 leg boobs see I can't doesn't work leg yes. boobs Let's yes, Emma, what, what else have you got for me? Um, well, I can, I can either tell you... Um, a this isn't a fucking adventure no, well, book I game where you... turn to page nine. No, I can tell you, I can tell you, you can either have a, a poo-based story yeah. or you can have an embarrassing childhood story. You see where I'm going? It's, it's like fits in with what you've been saying. <laughs> yeah, so we've done a lot of poo and right, who, who wants poo? Yeah. Yeah. Who wants embarrassing? Yeah. Okay, embarrassing. so it's embarrassing. So uh, the most embarrassing thing that's probably ever happened to me in my life, I was 13 years old and I was on holiday with my parents and we were on a campsite in France and I uh, had a combination of two things. I had very, very, very bad sunstroke and I'd gone swimming in a sea which was, sort of, uh, which was badly polluted. So I'd lost my tiny mind. I was like running a terrible fever. And my mother decided that the best thing to do with me was to put me on a, on a camp bed 
uh, in front of our tent. And a Dutch woman uh, came over, and a small crowd had gathered by this stage, probably about 20 people, just sort of standing around with their towels, just staring at me and things like that. And this Dutch woman came over, and she said, you know, I'm in, in Holland, I'm, I'm a nurse. Would you like me to take a look at her? And my mother went, oh, would you, would you, please? And without even a handshake or a hello, this woman flipped me over onto my belly, pulled down my bikini bottoms, and stuck a thermometer up my ass <laughs> in front of a crowd of strangers. And someone at the back actually clapped. <laughs> and then she turned to my mother and went, yes, she's hot. <laughs> Fuck yes. Were they applauding the temperature or the, the way the, no, the mean, ease of entering? I mean, I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine from their point of view, it was a very impressive sight. <laughs> it's a European thing. My mother is German, and yeah. she brought. She, 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 do you really want to go into this? Not, yeah, okay. No, no, not that. Not the things that. No, but she. Uh, when I had a baby, she brought lots of. Um, she bought sort of uh, painkillers for baby painkillers over from Germany for it, and uh, and the, but they were all suppositories. And I was going, I don't want to stick something up my baby's bottom. That's weird. I'm not going to do that. And she said, no, this is, we all do this. No, in Germany, this is, everyone is this. This is why in Germany, you'll see, uh, no one can go to their doctor later in life and say, oh, my daddy touched me, because all of them did. <laughs> Which is horrible. Why am I saying this? <laughs> I don't think the argument that everyone in Germany does this is a very good one. No, I mean, <laughs> historically. So, uh, I don't think that's... I saw uh, Keith Allen in real life this week. We have talked about on this... Uh, He's my enemy, Keith Allen. He moves some prop. Oh, Keith Allen! But I actually felt quite sorry for him because it was I was out. I'd been doing a gig, and it was really late at night. He's on at comedians in Hammersmith, and I'd been doing a gig at the Apollo, and we were really late, about 1:30 in the morning, and every pub in Hammersmith was closed. The only pub that was open was Belushi's in Hammersmith, which is a horrible fucking pub. And at 1:30 in the morning, a Thursday, well, a Friday morning, Thursday night, uh, Keith Allen was standing outside Belushi's, pissed off his face. I thought, does he do that? Everyone, he, was, he was looking in, we tried to come, he said, you've got to go in that door! And I thought, oh, it's tragic. Keith Allen actually has quite a tragic... It might just have been a one-off occasion, he might just have been out for one night. I think he goes to Belushi's every night, <laughs> drinks in there till two o'clock in the morning. What a terror. I, don't, I feel sorry for him now. That is revenge enough for me, that his life has turned... Don't, don't ever mess with me, or that will happen to you. It's my warning to you. Anyway, remember, you at home could be one of the lucky people in this audience being lightly humiliated for being kind enough to join in. So do come down and see the joke. As it occurs to me, you don't have to be mad to be in our audience. But so far, everybody has been. <laughs> Christian, have you made a smell? No, a naughty dog must be just behind that curtain. <laughs> he must have done it. Well, that one seemed to come from you. No, the naughty dog is capable of anal ventriloquism. <laughs> he is a naughty dog. Well, he is a naughty dog. That is naughty. Friday the 13th. Unlike Ooh. the... Oh, this is scary. Unlike the ridiculous and superstitious fucking idiot Andrew Collings, I, uh, <laughs> I do not believe that Friday the 13th is unluckier than any other day. However, after this one, I might have to reconsider. Firstly, I was gigging in TV Emma Kennedy's hometown Hitchin that night, which is about as unlucky as you can get. Uh, I was supposed to be on at 8.30, but I got stuck for an hour behind an accident in the Hatfield Tunnel, and traffic didn't start moving until quarter to nine. Uh, I was already late, but I got moved to the end of the gig, so it should have been fine, except when I turned my ignition, nothing. My car, for the first time in my life, had broken down. Uh, as far as I can recall, I have never missed a gig in my life, but it seemed today I 
almost certainly would. And then it's weird. The policeman at the scene, I just thought it was a flat battery, but he wouldn't. He, he made me move the car into the tunnel because that's where the accident happened to park it up there. Which and then I, he told me to get out of the car. Uh, and uh, sit on the side so, so in case another car were to crash into my car for safety. So I was sort of sitting there waiting for the recovery car uh, with, in this enclosed space filled with just loads and loads of car fumes glumly waiting to be rescued with only Twitter and my iPhone for company. <laughs> urine-filled iPhone for company. <laughs> if only you'd been here for the actual show, you would understand that. Uh, sad and afraid. But luckily, uh, my friends were there to support me. I got this tweet uh, from TV's Emma Kennedy. Oh, no. You're actually in the tunnel. Oh, Richard Keith, that's the tunnel of death. Not that I want to worry you. Which, that was nice, wasn't it? Nice way to calm me down in these horrible circumstances. But as if I wasn't scared enough, she then tweeted to say... There are rats the size of horses in that tunnel. I was sitting on this ledge looking around me for these gigantic vermin, but Emma was not going to show me any sympathy. If you see a small girl wandering about, don't speak to her. She's the ghost of Hatfield Tunnel and can turn a man to stone. More time passed and no one came to help me. Two police cars had pulled up behind my car, but no one had come to talk to me. Emma put me at my ease. Richard! Before adding... If one of them starts asking you about kidney transplants, make your excuses and leave. She's very friendly. Luckily, the recovery truck arrived and the guy jump-started my car and I arrived in Hitchin at 10.15, nearly four hours after I'd left home, but just in time to entertain the inbred idiots of that town. <laughs> I couldn't let Hitchin down and I'm glad I didn't, but thanks for all that support you gave me in my hour of need, Emma. No, no, it, uh, it wasn't me who sent you those tweets, Rich. It was, it was a naughty dog. Um, he snuck onto my computer and I wasn't looking and he typed all that stuff with his naughty dog paws. Oh, what a naughty dog. Naughty dog. I'm sorry, I've just unjustly accused you. Hey. I apologise. As it occurs to me, it's not just sperm, feces and we, but it's mainly sperm, feces and we. Saturday. I went for lunch with my girlfriend and her family in a quiet Italian restaurant near Covent Garden. We all had different main courses. I had the roast pork. Uh, as the waitress cleared the table, she said... How was the pork? Oh, it was great, thanks. Good. Then she moved away. I don't think anyone could ever accuse me of being paranoid, but that seemed a bit odd to me. There, there'd been five of us sitting at that table eating five different dishes, so why had the waitress only asked me what my food was like? Had she dropped my food on the way to the table and wanted to make see if I'd noticed? Or had there been some kind of faulty towels mishap with some rat poison? What, what was going on? I could see the waitress in the distance was now whispering to another waitress, but all I heard was... Pork. Why were they interested in the pork? What had I eaten? I wondered if possibly the restaurant, which was somewhat struggling for custom on a Saturday lunchtime, had resorted to getting cheap meat from somewhere. Perhaps very cheap meat. Perhaps free meat. What if the manager had gone out the night before and killed a tramp? And now, now they'd served him up as if he was pig meat. Uh, maybe I was the first to try it and the staff were anxiously waiting to see if they'd got away with their dastardly scheme. The waitress had bur blurted out her question due to her nervousness. She should have just asked everyone generally, but she had to know about the pork. Was I an unwitting cannibal? The only logical conclusion was that I was. I had to be. A.A. Gill would have had to eat a baboon to get some idea. <laughs> of what it would be like to eat a human, but I'd done it for real. And I tell you, it was really nice. As, uh, now I have a taste for human flesh and human crackling, but I want to do it again, but who shall... I want to share it with you, but who shall I eat? Who sh who's the lucky one I should eat? Ladies and gentlemen, will you please welcome back to the stage the man from behind me in the queue in Waitrose! Oh, Rich, thanks, thanks for having me back. The void of death was terribly, terribly horrible. It's... 
so cold and bleak and empty. There's nothing after death, Richard, nothing. You're, you're not even conscious of the emptiness. It's just cold, awful absence of everything, including yourself. Very interesting existential digression there. That's very interesting, the man from behind me in the queue from Waitrose, but I've only conjured you back to life so I can satiate my urge for man meat. Ah, <laughs> oh, right. Uh, look, I'm very flattered. I just don't really fancy you. Not that kind of man meat. Oh, Actual okay. meat of a man. I'm Ooh. going to literally oh. eat you. Well, you can't do that. There are witnesses. Oh, I intend to share you with the audience. I want them to experience this lovely thing with me. We're all going to eat you. One in of a the trip- witnesses is leaving. I know. They got scared by the idea of having to... <laughs> Oh, they're coming to the front to get the best bit. Uh, uh, Willie's, yeah. Absolutely. No, just the one. He's, only, I, I mean, he's uh, not uh, diphylactic. <laughs> I don't imagine. We'll find out on the next page. Oh, uh, there's other trousers. <laughs> in a tribute to the late Edward Woodward, who today found out that death is the ultimate equaliser. <laughs> he did. He's in that cold, cold void. Uh, we're going to cook you in this gigantic wicker man. Light the wicker man. Oh, Light God! It. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> You'll never get away with this when the authorities find out. It's all right. We'll just tell them a naughty dog did it. No! See you next week, everyone. Bye! Oh, no. As it occurs to me, it was written by a naughty dog performed by Richard Henning, Dan Tesla, oh. me, TV, Zemi Kennedy. Bishop Riley did all the musical bits and Ben Walker was in charge. The thanks to Damien Caldwell, Emma Brunges, Kelly Enfield, Alice Russell, Rob Sedgebear and everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre. A special thanks to Orange Mark and the British Comedy Guide. This is an Avalon and Sky Potato production. Don't you see that killing me will not bring back your pumpkin? Mm, look at this hot dog. Or should that be hot human? Whatever. I'm eating his burnt cock. Delicious. Come next week to see Emma's clacker. Bye. Thank you.